Okay, so today we'll start with uh, chapter 15 of Deuteronomy. And uh, in chapter 15, it focuses on the release of the Lord uh, with a specific focus on the debtors and slaves. And it ends with the offering of the firstborn uh, in the context of remembering the Passover. So we've been continuing uh, with a focus on worship that seems to tie in with the chapters that we have done. Uh, since chapter 12, where Moses started applying the laws uh, to different uh, areas. So in chapter 12, Moses reminded us that in order to prepare for worship, uh, we need to destroy the idols and we need, need to go to a chosen place. And there we need to offer our sacrifices and it has to be a corporate uh, experience. Uh, it has to be a time of rejoicing. And in chapter 13, we saw some of the dangers or distractions to worship. Uh, such as the miracle workers and false prophets, or family and friends, or even the city that can take us uh, away from worshiping the true God. And in chapter 14, we saw how our body and even what we eat, and also our tithes, uh, are also an expression of our worship, and they are an indicator of our okay, never mission to God. And today we'll take a look at chapter 15, uh, where we read about the compassion to debtors, the slaves, and the poor, and see how it connects to worship. So in verses 1 to 3, we see the compassion to debtors. And in verse 4 through 11, we see compassion to the poor. And in verse 12 through 18, we see compassion to slaves. And all of that, uh, in a sense, uh, prepares us for worship by uh, having the right attitude, having the right uh, perspective on things in the context of compassion. So we'll start with verses uh, one to three, where Moses uh, focuses on compassion to debtors. So we can consider uh, who can be released uh, from debt and when it happens. So this is a very interesting uh, passage where it speaks about uh, canceling the debt, or here it talks about releasing, or it calls, uh, it is called the Lord's uh, release, which happens at the seventh year. So it's quite possible that people are in debt uh, in Israel, maybe because even though they have a land, uh, it's possible that they had a poor harvest, or it's possible that those who are working on the farm, the husband or sons, maybe they died, so they are in poverty because of that. And the obviously, when you're in uh, in trouble, uh, one solution is to borrow money, and you still have the land, so you can use the land as a collateral to borrow money, or you can work uh, as slaves uh, to provide for your family and also pay off the debt. And of course, in the U.S., we see a lot of debt, uh, which is not because of these reasons, but oftentimes uh, it is due to excess spending and poor budgeting, and also the easy access to money that we have in this country. So in this uh, verse, verses one and two, Moses is reminding that the debt needs to be released or it needs to be canceled uh, after seven years. So it's not just a suspension for one year, but it is complete uh, forgiveness of the loan. And more than likely, if the land was also given as part of the agreement, then that would also be released. Uh, after seven years. And we are also told that this rule applies uh, only to uh, Israelites, uh, not to foreigners. So we know that 
the Israelites, uh, they were redeemed, they were chosen by God, and they were brought together as uh, one family. And the Lord gave them uh, special rules. And one of that rule was to make sure uh, that the debt is released uh, after seven years. And we also see uh, in the New Testament when we go, uh, we read in Romans uh, 13 and 8, uh, oh, no man anything but to love one another. So that's a good uh, verse. Uh, it reminds us that uh, we should not uh, get into debt, but the debt that we really owe is to love others, even as Christ uh, loved us. So Bible doesn't say that to be in debt uh, is a sin. Uh, Bible does not condemn debt, but at the same time, it doesn't encourage people to take on debt, uh, especially taking on uh, excessive debt we know can be dangerous uh, for our personal life and also for our family life. And in a practical sense, we see that some level of debt uh, is oftentimes necessary, uh, especially in this country. So we see that most people have some level of debt. It could be for their car, it could be for their house, it could be for uh, education. And Jesus uh, himself reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount that we did, that we need to help those who are in need. So it says in 542, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, uh, turn not thou away. So we see that Lord himself is recognizing that there might be a need uh, within the community, within the Christian community. And if someone asks you uh, for money, uh, we should not uh, turn them away. So in a sense, we are creating uh, debtors in that sense. So we can clearly see that uh, taking on debt uh, is not a sin, but at the same time, it is not something that we should take lightly or we should indulge in excessive debt. And in the second part, which is uh, verses 4 through 11, uh, Moses speaks about compassion to poor, and it speaks about how poverty can be eradicated uh, among the Israelites. So God had a plan for taking away poverty, but we see that poverty uh, continued to exist uh, within the Israelite camp, and we can see what was the reason, and we can also see what is the warning that is given to those who are selfish or those who are holding back from helping others. So in the earlier verses, the focus was uh, showing compassion to those who have borrowed money. And here, uh, Moses expands it to a broader context of showing compassion uh, to the poor. And in verses four and five, we see that when we obey the Lord, uh, the blessings uh, will follow. And the Lord also reminds us that we will be lenders uh, to many nations and we will not be debtors. So that is the kind of blessing that the Lord wanted to give uh, Israel, that they will be in a position of blessing where they would be able to bless uh, others and they won't need to borrow from other nations. And also they would reign over other nations. And again, that follows that if you are successful, if you are doing well, then that puts you in a position of power. It puts you in a position of authority over others. And the Bible also says the rich ruleth over the poor and the borrower is a servant uh, to the lender. So if you keep borrowing money from someone or if you keep borrowing money from the bank, wherever, then obviously they have authority over you 
And in a sense, you become a servant uh, to the lender. And that is not the position that the Lord uh, imagined for the people of Israel. Uh, he wanted them to be a blessing to other nations. And he wanted to Israel to reign over other nations. And all of that would have happened had they obeyed the Lord. Uh, so that was the starting point for all of these blessings. And we'll see later that uh, these things did not happen because there was disobedience. And in verses uh, seven and following, we see uh, how we should respond uh, to those who are poor uh, among us. So the focus is again, uh, as we saw in verses one to three in the context uh, of lending. Uh, here again, the focus is just on the Israelites. Uh, it's, not, it's not on the foreigners. So again, the Lord is making a special uh, provision for Israelites uh, as a family, and he's setting the rules on how they should deal with brothers and sisters uh, who are part of the same family. So the appropriate uh, response uh, when you see a poor is outlined here, that we should not uh, harden our hearts, uh, we should not shut our hand, we should open our hand wide. We should lend uh, whatever they need. And this one is also important. We need to give uh, cheerfully uh, without uh, hesitation. So even though these laws are being given uh, to the people of Israel, uh, they should not blindly follow the laws uh, because they are afraid of the consequence, but rather they should do it uh, cheerfully. They should do it uh, with a willing heart. Uh, without any hesitation. And it also says uh, in verse 9, beware that there be not a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, the seventh year, the year of release, is at hand, and thine eye be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not. So it's quite possible that uh, if someone is coming to borrow money uh, on the fifth year, uh, you might be thinking in your mind that in two years you'll have to release the debt, and if they don't have the money right now, then more than likely you're going to lose that money. So Moses uh, is preventing that by saying, uh, you should not be thinking along those lines. Uh, if someone is in need, uh, it doesn't matter whether they come to you in the first year or they come to you in the fifth year, uh, you should still lend whatever they need and you should give it uh, cheerfully without any hesitation. And if we respond correctly, uh, we see the blessings uh, in verse 10. It says, the Lord will bless uh, all of our works and all that we put our hand to. So that is the principle that we can use in our own life uh, when we bless others. Uh, obviously, the Lord is also keeping watch and we will not be shortchanged or we will not be lacking anything uh, because we helped someone. The Lord will bless all of our works and he will uh, bless everything that we put our hand to. And obviously, in the context of Israelites, uh, that could be the land that they have. The Lord will bless their hard work uh, in the land and give them an even richer harvest. And at the same time, the warning is given uh, if they are selfish and if they ignore the poverty that they see with their own eyes, uh, among the brethren or among the family of Israelites, then it would be considered as a sin and it will count uh, against them. 
So, uh, so they are given exhortation to give, but at the same time, they're also warned that if they chose not to give or if they chose not to obey, then uh, it will be considered as a sin and count against them. So we see in the book of Deuteronomy, as Moses is teaching the people of Israel, uh, the choices that we make uh, always have consequences. If we make the right choices, uh, it leads to blessings. But if we choose to disobey, then it is considered as a sin. It is considered as something that the Lord is not pleased with, and it leads to chastisement or some kind of blessings being taken away. So in the verses that we read, uh, this was God's plan for eradicating poverty uh, among the Israelites. So the first step uh, is that Israelites uh, obey the Lord in all that he tells them. And when Israelites obey, we see that God uh, showers uh, his blessings on them. And Israelites, they would acknowledge the blessings. They would give thanks to God but they would also share the blessing uh, with the poor. And when Israelites uh, displayed that kind of behavior where they're not only uh, recognizing that God is a source of blessing, but they're also willing to share that blessing with others, then we see that God is able to bless them uh, even more. And when God is able to bless them even more, uh, we can see that the cycle will continue and they will be able to share their blessings with even more people. So if they hold back, then they're kind of stopping that supply of blessings, which could have blessed uh, many other people, right? So, so that was God's plan uh, for taking away poverty from within the people of Israel. But obviously that goal was not achieved. Uh, in verse four, it says, uh, there shall be no poor uh, among you. And that statement uh, is based on the assumption of obedience uh, by the people of Israel. And when we come to the end of the passage uh, in verse 11, uh, sadly we read that poor uh, shall never cease uh, out of your land or poverty will continue to exist uh, in that land. So obviously these two statements uh, are opposite to each other. Uh, but it does not mean that God is uh, contradicting himself or God is saying something in verse 4 and something else in verse 11. But in order to uh, receive the blessing from God, uh, it was based on obedience. And when the Israelites were not generous or they were disobedient to what the Lord told them, then the poverty continued to exist. So, what we can learn from here is that when uh, we don't see blessings uh, in our life, then it is not because God is uh, indifferent or God has changed or God has changed his uh, methodology or uh, his rules. Uh, the reason why we don't see blessings uh, in our life is because of our disobedience. So that was the case uh, in the case of Israelites. And even today, uh, that is the case uh, when we see that the Lord is not responding uh, to certain things, or when we see that the Lord is uh, not listening to our prayers, uh, it's more than likely that there is some sin in our life or there is some disobedience uh, in our life, which uh, makes God uh, in some way indifferent so that we recognize that we are in sin or we recognize that we are being disobedient 
and we confess and come back to God so that the relationship is restored and the Lord is able to renew his covenant. He is able to renew his blessings uh, in our life. So, uh, so the application here obviously is that uh, just as we saw uh, for Israelites, God's divine order was not just to build a nation for the sake of building a nation, but he was building uh, one family uh, when he took them out of Egypt uh, through the wilderness and to the promised land. Uh, his idea was to build uh, one family which would be governed by special rules and they would be different from every other nation. They would be different from the neighboring uh, communities. So, so all of these laws that we saw in terms of showing compassion to the debtors, showing compassion to the poor, uh, it could, it could be based uh, within the context of creating one family or one system, even though uh, there are a bunch of families. So in the same way, we can say that the local church, uh, just like the nation of Israel, uh, must be like one family uh, that cares for one another. So it could be the Bethany of worship, it could be any other church in the community. When the Lord is uh, bringing uh, everyone together uh, into one place, uh, he's not simply creating uh, a church as a building, but he's creating one family by adding people uh, to that community. So that understanding should be there uh, so that there is greater blessing uh, within that church. So Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, uh, he uses the illustration of a body. He says, when one member suffer, all the members uh, suffer with it. And when one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Which means uh, when somebody is going through pain, uh, we should be able to feel their pain. Uh, we should have a burden uh, for their sufferings. And if somebody is doing really well, then we should not be jealous, but we should rejoice that the Lord is blessing them uh, in different ways. And of course, our compassion and generosity must extend uh, beyond finances, it should include uh, giving of our time, giving of our emotions, our talent, and any other practical ways uh, in which we can assist others. And obviously, it was not easy uh, during the times uh, in Deuteronomy. And even today, uh, it is not easy to follow uh, such high standards. But that is a standard that God has set. And when we reach uh, that standard, we see that the church uh, family would be blessed and we would see the blessings that come from unity, uh, the blessings that come from being sensitive uh, to the needs of others, uh, blessings that come when we rejoice with others and we also suffer with others. And in Proverbs uh, 19 and 17, uh, it says, he that hath pity upon the poor uh, lendeth uh, unto the Lord. So you may think that you're helping someone uh, who is poor. Uh, you might be lending them money or whatever. But uh, in Proverbs, we are told when you're doing that, you're actually lending uh, to the Lord and he himself will reward you uh, for that decision that you made or the compassion that you showed. And in 1 John uh, 3.17, uh, it tells us that uh, if you're not doing that, then it shows that we don't have the love of God uh, in us. So it says, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need 
and shutteth up his balls of compassion from him, uh, how dwelleth the love of God uh, in him. So, so here we are told that being generous uh, is an indication that the love of God is in us. And when we are selfish or when we are greedy, uh, it shows that the, we have not really understood the love of God or the love of God is not uh, present uh, in us. And we'll go to the last section, which speaks about compassion in verses uh, 12 through 18. And here Moses is reminding about showing compassion uh, to the slaves or to the servants. So uh, it kind of follows the same line of thought uh, in terms of when the slaves uh, should be released and what should be the terms of release. And also uh, can a slave uh, choose uh, slavery forever or can they choose to be, remain as servants uh, forever? So here again, uh, we see that certain uh, instructions are given. And at the end, the implication is if you obey the instructions, then the Lord will bless you in all that you do. So here again, uh, when you have a slave, the instructions are given that they should be released uh, in the seventh year. And more importantly, what we see here is that when they are released, uh, they should be released with honor and respect. And more than that, they should also be released with adequate supplies. So it is true that they were slaves, uh, they were servants in your home, and obviously they did not uh, build up a retirement plan or anything like that. They were simply serving you and they won't have anything uh, saved up during those seven years. So here the instruction is given that thou shalt uh, furnish him liberally. So again, it's talking about generosity and compassion uh, out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, you will give it unto him. So we see that again and again, the emphasis uh, is placed that all the blessings that you, we are enjoying is coming from God. And if you're giving it to someone, you're simply giving a portion of the blessing that the Lord has given you. And since Lord is the one who is blessing, he can easily make up for the deficit. Uh, he can easily make up for the shortage or anything that you're giving uh, to the slave. So again, this is a very practical uh, provision in the laws because if you're going to send the slave uh, empty-handed after six or seven years, then obviously they won't be able to get a new start and they would be back in debt and they would be back in slavery. So the idea is that after seven years, uh, they should be truly free and they should be able to start a new life. So we see that often in this country when people go to jail uh, or they're in jail for five to 10 years, then they have kind of lost their skill set. And when they come after five or 10 years, they are not able to reestablish uh, themselves because they may not have a credit history, they may not have the right uh, job experience and skill set. And more often than not, they would go back to jail because uh, they won't have any way to meet their needs. So they would fall into the same wrong habits uh, to support themselves. So again, we see that Bible is, uh, has, is full of wisdom and it's also very practical in the way it deals uh, with certain issues. So it's quite possible that they are in slavery uh, because of debt. So the slavery or 
being a servant is offered in exchange uh, as payment for debt. So they are working for one to seven years. And during that time, uh, their labor is being used uh, to pay off the debt uh, in that time. And we are also told uh, what is the motivation for this uh, behavior that is expected from Israelites. So in verse 15, we are told that they should remember that there was a time uh, they were also in bondage. Uh, they were also slaves. But God, uh, in his mercy, he intervened. Uh, he redeemed them. And he not only redeemed them, uh, when he took them out of Egypt, uh, he also provided for them uh, during the wilderness journey. Then he brought them uh, to the promised land, again, uh, where they were provided for. And since uh, God showed uh, mercy to them, they need to reciprocate that mercy, and they need to pass it on to others that are in similar uh, situation. And we are also reminded in verse 18 that the slaves were actually a good deal. Uh, here we are told uh, double hired servant, which means uh, they were getting that slave for half the price. So, so it's quite possible that uh, they were getting paid 50% but doing the full job. So in that sense, uh, they were a good deal. They were with the master for seven years. And during those seven years, they were able to give good labor. And again, in verse 15, uh, it is uh, God's commandment. And we should not question or we should not debate or we should not compromise on God's commandment. So in verse 15, when God says to be compassionate and generous, uh, we simply have to obey uh, in order to receive God's blessing, which is what we ended with in verse 18, when we obey and we show compassion and generosity, uh, it will lead to God's blessing. So no matter how uh, tall we grow, uh, we should never uh, forget our roots. And in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, the people of Israel, they are constantly being reminded of how the Lord dealt with them uh, when they were in bondage and they were crying out for freedom. God intervened. So as they go through their journey and as they get better and richer in many ways, uh, they should not forget their roots. And when we don't forget our roots, uh, it also keeps us uh, humble. It keeps us compassionate. And it helps us to have the right perspective in life. And in verse uh, 16, we read about a slave uh, who is willing to continue in that position forever, uh, like a bond servant uh, or a bond slave uh, forever. And the reason they want to continue is because they love the household. So everything seems to be working out good. So that's actually a good uh, testimony of the master. Uh, they must have treated the slave well that they want to continue being a slave. And in order to uh, show that, uh, we see that their ears are pierced uh, as an evidence of lifetime fellowship, relationship, sorry. And both male and female are eligible uh, in this case, whereas uh, when we read Exodus 21, six, uh, it speaks about a male slave, but here we are told uh, it could also be a maidservant, uh, who wants to continue uh, for life. So uh, the seven-year thing uh, comes uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 5 that we talked about earlier, where it talks about Sabbath from work. So the same kind of thought is being applied here uh, for lending 
and also uh, dealing with debtors and with slaves. So in Deuteronomy 5, 13 and 14 that we have seen before, it says six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it uh, thou shalt not do any work, thou nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, which means if you have a servant, they'll have to be released uh, from work. And the same thing goes for the cattle and so on. And in Exodus uh, 23, 10 and 11, uh, it speaks about giving rest uh, to the land uh, in the seventh year. It says, six years thou shalt sow thy land and shall gather in the fruits thereof. But in the seventh year, you shall let it rest and lie still that the poor of thy people may eat and what they leave the beasts of the field shall eat. Uh, in like manner, thou shalt deal with thy vineyard and with thy oliveyard. So it speaks about uh, in the seventh year, you should kind of let the land free so people can kind of walk in, the poor people can walk in and they can eat what they want. And what is left is given to the bees. So again, it speaks about compassion uh, here and rest. And Paul uh, talks about being a servant of Jesus Christ. And in some version, it says bond servant. Uh, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, separated unto the gospel of God. And in Deuteronomy, we talk, talked about uh, piercing the ear. And Paul speaks about, I bear in my body uh, the marks of Lord Jesus Christ. So the marks may or may not be visible, but it speaks about the identity he has. Uh, it speaks about the commitment uh, that he has uh, to Lord Jesus Christ and the calling that, he, that was on his life. So we need to ask ourselves whether we are also committed uh, to our calling for life or are we looking for opportunities to get out and seek early retirement? Or are we looking to quit uh, what God has called us to do? and go back to enjoying a different lifestyle. So lifetime uh, service to the Lord is expected and it also has its privileges, it has its blessings. And as we are reading through Deuteronomy, we see that uh, Moses uh, continued to serve the Lord uh, till the end. And we see that God honored him by burying him himself. So brings us to the last section, which is uh, the worship uh, through the offering of the firstborn or the separation of the firstborn. Okay, so here again, we see the chapter is uh, ending after talking about lending and compassion to the poor and the slaves. Uh, it's ending with, uh, with a time of sacrifice or a time of reflection where you're coming back uh, to the Lord's presence, uh, which tells me that uh, the compassion is also linked uh, to worship. And before we can offer our worship, just we, as we talked about in 12, chapter 12, uh, that we need to destroy the idols. Uh, in the same way, we need to examine ourselves, uh, whether we are generous, whether we are compassionate, uh, before we offer our worship to the Lord. And here we are told that the firstling uh, should be sanctified unto the Lord, and it should not be subject to any work or sharing in verse 19. And it should be brought uh, to the chosen place, as we saw in chapter 12. So it could be the tabernacle or it would be the temple in Jerusalem. And the first link would be sacrificed. And again, it would be a corporate uh, worship experience where the family comes together 
and they rejoice in knowing that it is God who has blessed them. And they are simply bringing the first fruits uh, back to the Lord to sacrifice it. And if the animal is blemished, then obviously it cannot be offered to the Lord, but it can be consumed. And again, we are told that blood should not be eaten in verses 21 to 23. And in Malachi chapter 1, verse 7 and 10, uh, where the challenge is given to us in terms of where how we have polluted thee, and it goes on to say, do not offer the blind, the lame, and sick uh, as sacrifice. Or in other words, uh, we should not offer uh, anything to the Lord uh, that is defiled. And even when we are offering ourselves uh, to the Lord in worship, uh, we need to examine ourselves. Uh, we need to cleanse ourselves. And then we need to make an offering of our worship. And it goes back, uh, the idea of offering the firstborn uh, goes back to the Passover time before the nation of Israel were taken out of Egypt. Uh, we know that uh, as we read in Exodus 12, 12, it says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. So we know that all the firstborn of people and animals were killed, uh, those that belonged to Egypt. But the people of Israel, uh, both the firstborn and also the animals were not killed. So this uh, idea of offering it as a sacrifice is to make sure that they go back and they're able to remember that uh, during that time uh, they were saved uh, while everyone else in Egypt was killed. So it could be seen as a memory, it could be seen as a gratitude. And we know that the firstborn sons, uh, they became priests. Uh, that was before the tribe of Levi was set apart. And the firstborn of the clean animals were sacrificed. And if the animal was unclean, like a donkey, like it mentions here in Exodus 13, uh, it would be redeemed with clean animals. And as we go further in the book of Numbers, uh, it actually says that the animals can be redeemed for money. And the firstborn sons, uh, they can be redeemed uh, for five shekels of silver. So the instructions are very specific. Uh, there should be no confusion uh, in the mind of Israelites. And all they have to do is obey what they have been told by the Lord, and then they would be blessed. So we need to offer our first and best uh, to the Lord. It should be set apart for the Lord, whether it is our time, whether it's our talents or our treasure. And in Proverbs 3.9, it reminds us if we, we need to honor the Lord with our substance and with the first fruits of all our increase. So that's what chapter 15 is about, where the Lord is reminding us, uh, reminding the Israelites that they there is a release of the Lord that has to take place. Uh, and the idea is to show compassion to those who have borrowed money or who have lent their land uh, to secure the debt. In the same way, we need to show compassion to those who are poor. And when we don't do that, it is counted as a sin. And we saw in verses 12 to 8 that compassion needs to be shown also to the slaves. And when they are released, uh, they need to be released with sufficient uh, provision so that they can actually carry on with their life.